The Serial Entrepreneur, brought to you by Startups Magazine. A podcast bringing you leading businesses and founders who have a story to tell and explain some of their biggest challenges. Try not to be too hard on yourself. Like, I've met so many founders who are like, you know, I should have done this, and then the pandemic happened, and I didn't do this. And you spend so much time, like, second-guessing yourself when really mistakes will happen. Like, we're human. It really does improve over time, and I think sometimes when you're starting out, you kind of almost expect yourself to have, you know, super high standards from the start. You know, you want to do your best at the start, absolutely, but you're never going to be perfect. Plus, share their biggest secret, their favourite breakfast cereals. My favourite cereal is an Australian cereal called Nutrigrain. Rice Krispies. It's pretty boring. Weetabix. I have a clear winner. It is uh, Cocoa Pops. Hello and welcome back to the Serial Entrepreneur Podcast. Today I'm joined by David Janey, a content analyst from Captera. Captera is the number one destination for finding the right software and services for your organization. Its marketplace spans over 100,000 products across more than 900 software categories and offers access to over 2 million verified reviews, saving organizations time, increasing productivity and accelerating growth. It's nice to be here. Thanks for having me on. Thank you. So before we begin with the regular questions, we usually ask our signature icebreaker, which is what's your favourite breakfast cereal and why? Uh, Breakfast cereal. Okay. well, um, I'm not really much of a breakfast cereal eater, maybe cereal eater, obviously I eat every day. I uh, probably prefer crunchy nut cornflakes, perhaps. Um, And I guess maybe because it's like... It's a bit more of an adult cereal, but it's um, still got a little bit of like sugar in it. Um, not quite as extreme as like maybe Cocoa Pops, but on one end, but not like all bran on the other. So a happy compromise. Yeah, it's like a nice twist on the classic, I guess. Yes, exactly. So could you tell me a bit about yourself and about your background and journey? Of course, yeah. So um, obviously, as you've already said, I'm David Janie. I'm an analyst at Capturi UK. I'm a writer for them. I do research for them. Um, I focus on small business and technology trends. And I've been doing this for a couple of years now. Fantastic. So could you tell me a bit about Captera? Of course, yes. So Captera is a premier destination for finding the right software for your organisation. It has a big marketplace with thousands of solutions across 971 software types. It offers access to over 2 million verified reviews from real-life users and uh, is really useful for helping business owners, small business owners especially, save time, increase productivity and accelerate their growth. So we have a mission to help small businesses across the UK by um, utilising our free service to find the right software that they need. That's fantastic. So what exactly does a content analyst do at Captera? Well, as I kind of alluded to, what we do as analysts is we we do re- research and writing. So um, I will research trends in the small business market in the UK. So we'll look at um, topics and trends related to software, especially in SME digitalization. Then we'll write up reports. So some of our research studies have been featured in publications such as The Times, Forbes, uh, Entrepreneur and other major publications. That's fantastic. So you do a lot of research at Captera. What What is some of this research that you've done? Can you tell us about that? 
Okay, well, as I mentioned, so topics and trends related to digitalization, to do with technology, to do with um, how customers interact with services that SMEs provide, and an array of subjects can include that can include things like uh, anything as diverse as employee monitoring, smart cities, generative AI, or help desk software, for example. So today, I'm actually going to talk mostly about help desk software, which is really crucial for helping companies quickly and effectively respond, provide support to their users. So we conducted a we conducted a study on this to investigate how consumers interact with it and what kind of preferences they have when using it. You know, obviously, I've mentioned things like employee monitoring and generative AI. So, you know, it's not maybe the first subject that jumps out to many people's minds. But help desk is really, really important for businesses, especially small ones, you know, because it can help automate certain things. It can be used to speed up the response to queries, complaints and support people faster. So it's something that really businesses have to keep their eye on. Yeah, I feel like there's so many things that a business has to worry about that that when studies are done that can help them out a bit more it's it just makes it so much easier for them exactly yeah it can provide some real quick tips that kind of point you in the right direction if you have to make those decisions and there's a lot of information when you actually tackle these uh, solutions so you have to kind of make the right choices at the right time otherwise you can get set back quite far so yeah it's really helpful yeah exactly so how did you conduct the help desk study Okay, well, so to do this help desks survey, what we did was we asked a thousand UK consumers who had already used help desk software or customer support software before. And we tried to find out a little bit about what their preferences were, what kind of experiences they had, how their experiences shaped their interactions with companies. So we did this as an international study and it was conducted in the UK, Australia, Japan, Germany, Brazil and Mexico. Um, For most of this, I'm going to obviously focus on the UK findings as that's most useful to our listeners, I suspect. But yeah, it just uh, allowed us to find some quite interesting things about the state of customer service in the UK. Fantastic. So you've already mentioned a bit about the importance of help desk software, but why is it so important and what impact does it have for small businesses? Well, the survey was really illuminating in this subject because what we discovered was that the impact of customer service or positive customer service, we already assume that it's important, I think it's fair to say, but it's just how important it is, which was a significant finding of this. So we first of all found that over one third of UK consumers will recommend a brand if they've had a good experience of customer service. Additionally, uh, another three in 10 will say that they stick with a brand if they have good customer support, even when cheaper competition exists. So this is a really important thing. You know, you can't always be competitive with pricing. Something like customer support can be really helpful to keep your customers happy and working with you. Also, 20% of repeat purchases are based on good customer support. So, you know, again, customer retention is really helped if you can keep this working well. And then conversely, 40% of people that we spoke to said that they would stop buying from a brand if they had bad customer service. So when they had bad customer service experiences, they would turn away from that brand. So you can see here, it's not just that it keeps customers around. It can be even more important for making sure they don't leave and never come back. Yeah, I think good customer service is really the key uh, to longevity in a business because no matter if you're doing everything else right, if you're not treating the customers the way they want to be treated, they're they're not going to stick around in such an ecosystem that has so many solutions to their problems. Absolutely, yeah. 
I think we've probably all had experiences of where that's been the case. You know, we can remember the good times that we've had with companies and the bad times, all the times where we've just gone, right, that's it. I'm never going to use any of their products again. So I think it just puts hard numbers behind that feeling that we get when we experience it. So it's nice to have that, see that, you know, actually proven by data. Exactly. It's not just a hypothesis anymore. It's actually been proven. So based on the data, how do Brits prefer to interact with customer service? Well, interestingly, we found that phone calls were the most popular way to interact with customer service. So it allows people to explain themselves best. That was uh, one of the uh, reasons that people gave for this. Uh, It was also seen as much more efficient and immediate. And it's interesting that they say more immediate because you would think that some of the other means of interacting with customer support would be more immediate than this. But I think it's because it got to the solution quicker seems to be the way. So another thing about these uh, interactions is there's a desire for local locality. So is a perception that local companies offer better customer service than global firms. So nearly half of our sample said that. There's also a desire for human interactions. And this is very important because we're living through a stage now of AI starting to come into the picture. And I will talk a little bit more about how that plays into things. But yeah, human agent interaction, either by phone or by live chat, was uh, seen as being really important paired with um, other options, which might be, you know, give you something immediately to interact with, but might not help you get to where you're trying to go, such as AI chatbots or knowledge hubs or FAQs. Furthermore, there's also the fact that human voices on phone calls are really preferred. So like nearly 90% said that. So a huge amount of our sample were really, really prefer human voices when they speak on the phone rather than dealing with a chatbot or a synthetic voice or you know robo calls as we've we've all been through those menus so yeah i think we can relate to that and we actually saw this um play out in a real life example not so long ago so in the last couple of weeks there was a case where so derby city council has tried to go through this process of introducing AI helpers. Now, prob- now probably thinking this is going to save us a lot of time and keep the customers on the side, but unfortunately it's kind of backfired. So there was um, introducing these AI helpers has not really worked. There was thousands of calls being abandoned. Most people had to be transferred to human callers anyway. So it's not time for the robots to take over the calls just yet for customer service. Yeah, not just yet. I do. I understand the frustration as well because there's nothing worse than when you have a problem that just clicking a number or saying a word doesn't quite put across. Well, this is it exactly. Yeah, it's really hard sometimes to get what you want from these particular solutions. You know, when you speak to a person, they they're listening to you in real time. They're probably able to formulate a solution by themselves. They can think a bit more outside the box, and you don't quite get that with the other types. Yeah, so it's it's quite important for that. Yeah, very much so. So what perceptions do UK customers have about customer service in the country generally? Well, that's a good point. So interestingly, the UK compared to the other countries, so as I already mentioned with this in Australia, Germany, Japan and Brazil as well, Compared to all those countries, the UK said that customer service had got worse more than any other. This is despite the fact, so it was around a third of people who said it got worse. This was the highest in our um, international, amongst our international peers that we did the survey with. Although that said, around 35% of the Brits we spoke to did also say that customer service had got better and about a similar number said they stayed the same. So it's interesting to compare against the international side that Britons feel their customer service has not improved uh, or got worse. 
and I think this correlates with a lot of studies over the last few months, you know, um, where people have been like, for example, the Institute of um, Customer Service said that they were getting the highest levels of complaints about customer service on record. Um, I think it ties in very much with the experience of COVID as well, where um, there was a, a, a lot of anecdotal uh, talk about how customer service was getting worse, probably exacerbated by a lot of people being off sick or quarantining and a feeling that that hasn't bounced back. So I, I think these are part of the reason that that might be higher than the other countries. But interestingly, one of the things we did find, which is probably the most British thing I've ever seen, is that um, nearly half of our sample felt that they were bothering customer service. And that, of course, was far ahead of all the other nations as well. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot of Britishism in the way that we interact with that we interact with our call, with uh, call centres and customer service channels in general. We ideally like to avoid it if we can. We don't like to make a fuss, but we sometimes it has to be done i think maybe that perception as well maybe pushed us a bit higher above our international peers as well but <laughs> certainly maybe what you might expect to a certain degree there but it's funny again to see that put into actual numbers yeah i feel like while i know i'm also like that knowing so many other people are like that that it's coming up in the results is really funny exactly yeah it's quite i mean I, we all probably feel a bit like that but then maybe we just think it's us but it seems to be no it's actually quite a lot of the country who are feeling this way too so uh you're not alone i think is the answer there <laughs> yeah exactly so what kinds of customer service turn people off the most well i've already alluded to it slightly but one thing that people didn't like so much were knowledge-based FAQs. Now, you know the sort of experience. You try and find a, a number on a website for a company. It's very hard to find, and normally you have to go through maybe seven questions first, where it will try and filter you through a logical series of questions that are often asked to avoid maybe dealing with people directly and that's reasonable to a point obviously you know not everyone can give like huge amounts of support it's not always easy to provide call centers or you know multi-channel support but knowledge-based FEQs just did not rank highly with uh, the people that we spoke to so it may be something to consider another thing that was really noticeable was a very low percentage of our sample is don't really prefer chatbots so chatbots were only preferred by three percent of our overall sample so a really tiny number now there are advantages of that that you know we've already talked about already so advantages such as quick response you get with a chatbot because it's there straight away it's always available but as we've already talked about the inability for them to answer complex questions or deal with difficult issues or understanding you properly it's just not there so nearly half felt that they didn't understand them properly and i think that would probably create a little bit of aversion to them if you did come across them even if they were maybe the best chatbot in the world it doesn't mean that AI doesn't have a place in the mix, I think. But I think because we're in these formative stages and things are developing quite fast, but they're not quite there yet. It's a bit premature for you to maybe put out a system where it's fully automated. We're a few years away from that yet, I would say. It's probably worth investigating, but implementing it now is a big risk. Um, and probably, as we can see, might go wrong. You might not get the, res the rate of response you want. It might alienate people. They can be great first touch points, though. So the thing about AI chatbots is they could be very good at filtering your queries out or maybe responding to simpler questions. That kind of immediacy could be really beneficial. 
but I think it's important to make sure they're set up so that they can quickly realize this is above my quote-unquote pay grade, obviously, and um, then they can pass it on to a human agent or someone who has a bit more ability to hand with the complexity of the request. So that's probably a key takeaway from this, is that human interaction is still very much favoured. AI is not quite resonating with people, but there are advantages seen of AI chatbots and these kind of systems. But, well, this is just some of the research we do. We've also, uh, we also look into this kind of research about the actual vendors as well. So the functionalities that they offer and uh, the features that you can get for the UK markets. So, yeah, this is, uh, this is this could be quite interesting to people too. That, that research is really eye-opening. So could you also tell me a bit more about these vendor tool lists? How do you pick companies out for them? Okay, well... Vendor tool lists are something that we use to try and rank a few choices for the UK market of um, possible products they can pick from. So we oft- we normally use a minimum score. So as I, as I already mentioned, we have lots of verified reviews on our website. So this is a really good criteria to understand what is, uh, a, what is a popular product. So we'll be able to look at these, um, how much they score it. So we normally won't feature something if it hasn't got four out of five stars. Sometimes the bar could be higher than that, depending on the uh, range of products uh, we have available or we're looking at. We normally want the reviews to be recent when we pick them. So we'll pick a few a good number from either the past year or the past two years, depending on our particular methodology on that individual list. Additionally, we try to focus on UK-based reviews uh, so we can actually filter just finding out which which products are doing best with UK customers only. So just uh, reviews from people in the UK. We can also look at this a slightly different way. We can look at local products, so companies that are headquartered in the UK too. So there's a lot of value in this as um, using reviews obviously is very objective we really strive to be objective because we have so many vendors on our website so we can't pick favorites particularly we just try to use the numbers that we have available to us to make these qualified choices and this can be really important for small companies just when you're picking and choosing between so many to have a quick choice because um, obviously in each software category there's loads of different types of vendors and not all companies are the same so you end up with a situation where you might have something that's better for marketing, something that's better for accounting, something that's better for help desk business, for example, you know, something like this, um, or uh, IT business. So we actually did this for help desk providers as well, just to note. So we had a look at some of the providers in the UK market to create one of these lists of software options. I think it's also good that um, there is just a smaller list because I feel like choice fatigue is a really big thing when running a business as well. You're making all these decisions every day. So when you have to pick a provider for something and there's a million options out there, you just don't know what to pick. This is true. Yeah. So, you know, time is uh, is quite tight for a lot of people running a business. You know, there's only so many hours in the day and normally smaller businesses will have tighter resources as well. So uh, it can be very important to have that quick decision making assisted somehow yeah so you mentioned that you did it about help desk software so which providers made the cut okay so when we did this we we managed to identify five tools so we picked them by using the definition of help desk software that we uh, have on our website we looked at 
reviews over the past two years that were specifically reviewed by UK users and had 4.5 stars on capterra.co.uk. And also we chose them by their core features. So there was, in this case, for help desk, they had to have knowledge-based management and ticket management, which, of course, are two really important parts of that. And I can tell you a little bit about those, um, those particular products that came up, if you like. Yes, please do. Well, the first one that we came up, so these are in alphabetical order, so not in any particular order. So one of these that came up for us was Engage Bay CRM. So this is an all-in-one marketing, sales and service CRM software for small businesses. It works primarily, though, for companies that are looking at lead generation solutions and need like marketing automation. So it's quite good for that kind of necessity. It offers support solutions, too, and is quite geared towards providing a good customer experience so it can be quite good for companies uh, lead, you, looking for lead generation but also customer support as well another of these was Freshdesk. it is a cloud-based help desk system which centralizes multiple customer support channels such as email phone and social so it's quite good if you're dealing with lots of channels at once it can support this quite flexibly it uh, is quite good for companies that are managing a wide range of customer support channels and of course, that's tricky. You know, this um, it keeps everything consistent so that you can respond properly. Up next, we have ICL Lite. So it's a web-based remote desktop solution. So it allows you to access and control Windows, Mac and Linux systems from a computer or mobile device. This is very good for businesses offering technical support as they can interact and fix problems in situ. Uh, also, there's uh, Jira service management. It's also for IT service management. It's very good for IT and dev operations teams, and it can help very much with technical support solutions and clients who use tools for workflow response prioritization and bug management uh, reporting and tracking for example and last but not least there was also live agent which is a cloud-based help desk system which uses a shared company inbox and range of compatible integrations it's quite good for companies that already use a range of tools and want them to integrate with a platform so you can kind of centralize everything so as you can see from this list these um these are some really good qualified options for the uk market right now but of course they're all a little bit different you know because every company has its own necessities so we've given not only like a lot of you know some choices here which are very well reviewed by our uk reviewer base it's also quite broad as well so if you're running various types of business you might be able to find something you need in that or at least it can give you a little bit more of a pointer in the right direction yeah exactly there's never a one-size-fits-all option for small businesses either no, no, really, that's kind of the point, I think. it's uh, Businesses take so many different forms, especially smaller businesses, which can be a lot more niche in various different sectors. It's not really possible necessarily always to find something that fits... Well, it can be very difficult, I think that's the point. It's uh, It can be very tricky to find exactly what you're looking for. So this, the idea of this is to take it a little bit more in maybe, you know, just to narrow it down a little bit. But of course, on Captera as well, you can also go through and um, you can use some search filters to try and pinpoint this uh, these necessities as well. Yeah, you're just giving people the tools they need to make their de- the best decision they can, I guess. Well, absolutely. That's it, really. Our goal is to try and make things a little bit quicker for businesses, you know, so we're providing this service to them free so they can access it. Obviously, small businesses don't have as much capital as bigger businesses. So it's um, a nice way for people to have a quick and easy and ultimately free way to get into um, to find something that they are looking for in terms of software. Yeah, that's fantastic. So where can we find Captera's research report findings and top rated software lists? Well, 
probably the best place to go is capterra.co.uk. So that's uh, Capterra with one P and two R's. Um, uh, if you can roll your R's, I, I personally cannot. I'm sure many of many of your listeners probably have the same thing. I've I tried and I str- struggle with it. Um, so you can find capterra.co.uk will be where you can find product reviews um, and specifically for the research and tool lists that I've mentioned you can find that on our blog so that's capterra.co.uk slash blog so uh, quite easy to find and we're publishing new reports quite frequently and new text selection pieces as well we also have an email newsletter, so that can keep you up to date um, much more sort of directly. You can find that on the website. There's a sign-up box on there that's sent out, I think, every month. And uh, that ha- normally updates on when we're publishing new findings. Uh, last but not least, we actually have a YouTube channel as well. So the YouTube channel for Capterra UK specifically. And um, you can find more videos of uh, software information and also lists like I've just described here. That's amazing. Thank you. So is there anything else you wanted to add? I think really just, uh, yeah, just come and see us. Uh, We are always producing new findings. We're always updating our offerings. So, you know, it's worth coming to have a look at our website and seeing what's new. That's amazing. Thank you so much for being a guest on the podcast today. Thank you for having me. (laughs) You're very welcome. And I hope you have a nice day. The Serial Entrepreneur, brought to you by Startups Magazine. A podcast bringing you leading businesses and founders who have a story to tell and explain some of their biggest challenges. Try not to be too hard on yourself. Like, I've met so many founders who are like, you know, I should have done this, and then the pandemic happened, and I didn't do this. And, and you spend so much time, like, second-guessing yourself when really mistakes will happen. Like, we're human. It really does improve over time, and I think sometimes when you're starting out, you kind of almost expect yourself to have you know, super high standards from the start. You, know, you want to do your best at the start, absolutely, but you're never going to be perfect. Plus, share their biggest secret, their favourite breakfast cereals. My favourite cereal is an Australian cereal called Nutrigrain. Rice Krispies. It's pretty boring. Weetabix. I have a clear winner. It is uh, Cocoa Pops. 